Show number 106 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Well, welcome to another edition of Look at His Butt! So what do we have this time? Well, we just watched... Uh, the episode of CSI mm-hmm. called A Space Oddity, mm-hmm. which was basically murder at a Star Trek convention. <laughs> and um, we had seen the little commercial for it, mm-hmm. which Lena posted to the blog some time ago. And so we went to Hulu to watch the episode, and I had an idea, which if we had done it, you would not be getting a podcast, <laughs> which was to make it a drinking game and, you know, swig mm-hmm. every time there was a Trek reference. We would be... Dead. Too, yeah, yeah. we would just be too drunk to, to even mm-hmm. walk, much less, you know, hook mm-hmm. ourselves up and do a podcast because it was just jam-packed. It was, and it was uh, clearly at least one of the writers was very familiar with Trek because there were t- loads and loads of very, very specific Trek references. Throughout. Plus they had reenactments of yes. at least three different scenes from episodes mm-hmm. that were shot very much like yes. the episodes. So they were done. So uh, first, I just wanted to say that um, one of I've never watched CSI, Me so neither. I don't know who these people are or what's going on. And part of what happens in this episode is a, around um, a, a unfulfilled romance between two of the people who work there. And one of them is a guy named Hodges, and he's played by an actor named Wally Langham, who I knew. And I was like, where have I seen him before? Turns out he was on an episode of Voyager once, so oh. he's been in Star Trek. But before that, he was on the Larry Sanders show, and that's where I knew him from. And his name was Phil on that show, and he was the head writer. And he was just this um, completely cynical, sarcastic, I hate everything kind of guy. And he hated working for the Larry Sanders show, but couldn't quit because the money was too good. And part of the plot of the show was that um, since he hated everyone, he would just bait people for whatever reason. And Mm -hmm. for a while, Scott Thompson from Kids of the Hall was on the show. And Scott Thompson is gay in real life and often plays gay characters. And on the Larry Sanders show, he's a very openly gay character. And Phil just baited him constantly about it. And they would get into fights and everything. And in the finale of the whole series, um, Scott Thompson's character, I can't remember his name, finally confronts him and says, you know, why are you always so mean to me? Why do you have to be so mean? And they end up having this long discussion in a conference room, and there's a lot of other plot stuff going on. And at one point, it cuts back to the conference room. Somebody opens the door, and they're making out on the table. <laughs> it was so funny. It was like the funniest thing ever. I remember just going, ah, this is so perfect. So that was great. I was very happy that he did that for that character because it was, it was really good. So anyway, I just wanted to say that. It was so okay. funny. So this was very much like Galaxy Quest in yes. that it was Star Trek with a thesaurus. Mm-hmm. So the name of the show that the, the convention was based on and that they all loved was... Um, Astro Quest. Astro Quest. Yes. And they were all questers, not questarians right. as they are in Galaxy Quest. But it, the costumes, mm-hmm. uh, the props, you know, all had these very specific names. And uh, the stuff that was... Um, the drink yes was you know just like rom, in a, yeah. romulan ale and so i i felt that they they basically got a lot of that really right mm-hmm. but the fun for me really started when the hodges character mm-hmm. would have these fantasies about his female counterpart it turns out they learned both of them were questers they mm-hmm. met at the convention 
And it was always a, a total rip from a Star Trek episode where he's the captain and she's the beautiful alien mm -hmm. or the, the beautiful mm -hmm. assistant. Mm -hmm. You know, they had her as a dancing girl. They had her as the... the as the, Shauna. As Shauna, the slave girl from Gangsters of Triskelion. Um, they had her as a yeoman. Mm -hmm. And it was just so funny because <laughs> they kept referencing in the fantasies what was going on in the episode because he had asked their supervisor... Mm -hmm. Could two people on the same shift have a ro mm -hmm. you know romance? And she told him, the supervisor told him, well, one of them would have to change shifts. And so they're they're talking about this in the context of gamesters of Triskelion. <laughs> well, my supervisor will choose a mate for me, but wouldn't you like to choose your own? And it's worth changing shifts when it is time to increase the staff. <laughs> yes, the staff. This is not allowed in the office. You know, it was really it was good. funny. It was a great little mix there. It was. It was really really good. Um, there were also a lot of sort of meta jokes too, like when, so part of the plot is that um, the guy who is killed turns out to be someone who's trying to produce a new version of an old show, which many people have done, and his version is much darker and like that, and, and they're talking about it, and one person says, yeah, you know, he, he got a call from Paramount yes. so that they could put our new show on The CW, yes. which is all very insidery stuff there. But when it became, you know, you don't know who the dead guy is at first, mm -hmm. and then it's it's revealed that he showed a clip of it to a bunch of questers, questers. and there was this dead silence, and then somebody yells, <laughs> you suck, and they all, you know, go crazy. And I said, so basically a bunch of fans killed Rick Berman, because exactly. that is exactly how so many TOS oh, fans yeah. felt about what Berman did. Not that he made it darker or anything, but that he, he just didn't give a shit. Mm -hmm. Totally, and, and that was just perfect, having someone yell, you suck. Yes. Oh, it was good. Well, um, I got to tell you one moment, though, that I thought was absolutely great. When they were interviewing the bartender mm -hmm. at the at the bar at the convention, and the waitress was dressed in a costume, and he had on, like, this head head thing and, and mottling mm -hmm. on his face. And uh, the detective, or whoever he was, said something to him like, oh, it's got to gotta be tough when they make you get all dressed, dressed up, up to mm -hmm. serve drinks. And he took off the headdress, but... The facial stuff was still there, and he said, I got this makeup on my second tour in Iraq. Mm -hmm. And then he said, these people all believe in a world where people overcome their differences, and I would like to live in a world like that. So really, in, amid all this mm -hmm. this humor and, and, you know, sort of taking a piss on all the Star Trek things, there was this... this there, this acknowledgement of, for many people, mm -hmm. there's something really core there that is not a silly TV definitely, show. Definitely, definitely. Well, I wanted to talk a little about um, the whole premise of that because I felt like there were kind of two things going on. Um, one, as you said, was the this thing about, you know, making fun of fandom and all that, mm -hmm. which they did in a, in a nice way. I mean, it wasn't horrible. Although the two guys who were or suspects were like the uber geeks. Yes. Um, and I have to say, the way that they showed a convention didn't look like any convention I've ever been to, you know, in this hall that's lit with Japanese lanterns and stuff. Yeah. I was like, where's the nice fluorescent lighting <laughs> overhead that makes everything look horrible and makes right, people look right. like they're dead and, you know, that they're giving out DVDs at a convention. Oh, like, yeah, no, that no. was the real fantasy. Yeah, yeah, that they would give anything away ever, like a mm -hmm. drink of water at right. a convention. <laughs> it doesn't happen. They're going to make us pay for oxygen pretty soon. Um, but so, so he makes this... Um, new version of the old show and it's much darker which is basically you know i mean it's literally darker it's the same ship 
the bridge mm -hmm. set, but it's like there's no lighting and it's just dark and people are dressed in sort of black uniforms and there's a bad guy and the bad guy threatens one of the female crew members and says, oh, I'm going to kill her, I'm going to kill her. And then he does, he just yeah. like kills her and she falls to the ground. And so it's very much a, d a dystopian society. And um, the, the way that resonated for me immediately was what's happened in a lot of comic books, which was that they've taken these utopian kind of bright and shiny concepts that were mm -hmm. originally done in, in the late 50s and mid 60s and then you know updated them and made them realistic and grittier and instead of violence happening off screen or violence where people are just tied up you you see people being you know eviscerated and their mm -hmm. heads getting cut off and like a lot of really horrible stuff is drawn on the page now and i don't like that i mean personally i don't think that adds anything to the story it's mm -hmm. just gratuitous violence the way you know there's gratuitous sex while there's a lot of gratuitous violence and i think in in comic books there's been a backlash to a certain extent i mean there's still a lot of people who just will pay money to see gross gory drawings on a page but i felt like that little storyline was as relevant to maybe star trek or science fiction as it is to things like comic books as well trying to update it by making it realistic and you're not adding anything to the story at all mm -hmm. you're just overlaying it with horror and gore but it doesn't help you tell a better story well and it's also the idea of um they're taking the hero whether it's captain of the starship or the the comic book hero and making him you know human mm -hmm. and, and less than heroic yeah and that kind of to a great extent defeats his purpose mm -hmm. um so the 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 gratuitous violence aside they're not serving the original need or purpose. And I guess to me the question is, what need are they now serving that I don't see? Right. That somebody, somebody needs this. Mm -hmm. Somebody is seeking this out. Mm -hmm. No, I, I completely agree. And part of what they say, and I wasn't taking notes for the whole thing, but um, when this guy is trying to pitch his new updated series to, to this fan convention, he really says all of the things that people have complained about in Star Trek and mm -hmm. saying things like it's antiseptic, it's too perfect, you know, people could never be that perfect, it's too clean and we never see people being human, they're almost like robots because they're so, and, and you know, that's true, that is a, a criticism that's been leveled against Star Trek, but if you take some of that away, as you were just saying, you're left without anything to aspire to. Right. You know, of course it has to be better than we are now because it's the future and that's what we should be aiming for. That's not reality. It shouldn't be mm -hmm. reality. I mean, there's reality all around. I don't need a show about reality. I want right. a show that shows me how we can be better. In an entertaining way. In an entertaining way. With, yeah. with characters in it that you can sympathize with. And as we've often and said... And aspire to. As we've to often like. said about Kirk, right, that he's... he's He's smarter, he's stronger, he's better, he's morally better and better looking, better and, looking sexier. and sexier and all of those things. I mean, he is the guy that you want to be because he is better than an average human being. Mm -hmm. You know, he's the guy that Bill Shatner wants to be. Yes. So I, I thought that was important. I wish they had, they did make that point, as you said, mm -hmm. in the bar, but I wish that they had been able to just expound on that a little bit more that that there is a real true purpose to it besides just entertainment that's why people think it's so serious well and somebody probably um the lady who was the professor who um I, i'm going to oh, point this out hilarious um she was on battlestar galactica and and she played um 
Colonel Ty's wife, who turned out to be one of the final five and a very, very key character. But anyway, um, she was explaining it as a religion. Mm-hmm. I think it was it was her, or somebody was making the comment about when you, you piss on somebody's religion mm-hmm. like that, and, and this is um, whether they, they attribute it to a higher purpose or not, people do feel about this in the way they feel about a religion, that it gives them guidelines, it gives them sort of an outline for living. It gives them something to aspire to, mm-hmm. something better than themselves that they want to be more like. Well, that's pretty much a, a religion. Mm-hmm. So they did acknowledge that more than just mm-hmm. the, the bartender thing, yeah. I felt. Yeah. I, I, I wonder if somebody wasn't in fandom and they saw something like this, though, are they going to come away feeling positive or negative about it? Well, and I was wondering... It, it, it's kind of like um, I, I still am sort of astounded by um, people who aren't Trek fans uh, trying to figure out what level they enjoy Galaxy Quest on and how much of this just zipped by them. And for them, we're probably kind of irrelevant and, and, mm-hmm. and, and boring. And it's also, I think we talked about this once, that I still cannot believe anybody can watch the Lord of the Rings movies and know what's going on if they haven't read the books. <laughs> Although Wildcat says she did. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I just, you know, I, I can't, you can't get rid of what you know. Mm-hmm. You know, you just watch it that mm-hmm. way. Yeah. But let's talk about the professor lady. <laughs> so um, she was part of the plot in this episode because she was there um, filming things that were happening at the con for part of a documentary she was making about, you know, the psychosocial implications of fandom and... Um, Which was her topic that she teaches. Yes, that's that's her thing. Um, but Media she, theory or something. She spoke um, very much as a certain postmodern person might speak when, yes. when constructing a KS story mm-hmm. <laughs> using words like signifiers, which I totally know. cracked me up. God, we were, we were so losing it. For those of you who, who don't know, I think we've talked a long, long time ago about the rude person stories mm-hmm. where this same basic KS story was written in different uh, speech patterns, mm-hmm. I guess. And, and, you know, we've talked about it. I did the Minnesota right. version. And one of the funniest ones was written by Brancher was a, a doctor of postmodern literature mm-hmm. deconstructing this story. And uh, it's so hysterically it funny. Is. And she was using actual words and I think almost phrases from it. I think so. I'm going, did Brancher write this episode? <laughs> Maybe she did. Oh, it was good. It was really, really good. So I'm, I'm glad that they got that in there. I mean, uh, I think the scholarship about fandom is another area that most people don't know about. Mm-hmm. But clearly the people who wrote this episode know that there is a lot of scholarship about it and postmodern scholarship as well. So it's nice to yes. see that referenced in something like this. I also liked um, what you said during the episode when the guy went, you suck, and they all went, ah! You went, that's fandom. You totally. know, just like, oh, good, they finally captured it. They did. Well, at one point, one of the cops says to the other, um, so um, somebody... So there's a, a bunch of fans of this old TV show, and somebody makes a new version, and the other fans hate him enough for doing it that they beat him up and kill him. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's fandom. <laughs> That's pretty yeah. much what fandom is about. Jeez. <laughs> so that was good. I, I thought that that was very funny. So that was a very interesting episode. I'm, it I'm was. I'm glad watch it. So if it's still up on Hulu, um, and it probably will be, I think I encourage you guys all to go and watch it mm-hmm. because I think you will find it very amusing. There were so many Trek jokes in it. 
I mean, I couldn't have written them all down if no. we were doing it. No. But just about every other line, there was the assistant in the autopsy room who was being McCoy and mm -hmm. saying, I'm, I'm not a seamstress, I'm an assistant to a medical examiner. Oh, and when, well, when they find the dead body and they call the, the head detective mm -hmm. or whatever, and they're saying, we have an incident at the... Uh, what, what if a con? Yeah. And he goes, what? And he goes, he's dead, Jim. <laughs> I mean, it was just peppered with things like that. And I'm uh -huh. sure there was, if you really, you know, were to, to freeze the screen and really look, there was probably a lot of great stuff going on on the 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 set, the bridge yeah. set that they had built for this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then they did get that in at the end where Hodges is um, deciding whether or not he's going to pursue this romance with, mm -hmm. with the Sims. And he gives the whole speech about, I... I've chosen the lab and I have all those responsibilities and I'll never know what it's like to <laughs> to do this, you know, the, the caress of a woman. And then he said the thing about the walking on the beach. Yeah. So good. And then the guy who's in the in real life interrupts it by going, you hate the beach. <laughs> and, and that's how all these fantasies ended was real life intruding on yep. them. And I mean, the, the lighting and the fake set of rocks that they had for the gamesters of Triskelion. It was thing. great. Also, the other thing is... Um, Apparently, one of the guys from the lab or whatever had taken the con up on the free DVD. Mm -hmm. And so he's going, come on, let, let's watch this. And then as they're going off, you hear him. This is the one with the amphibian people. Uh, yeah, that, where they've become the dominant species and they've based their whole society on paint and place. <laughs> but the best was like just almost the lost line. He's went off and he goes, some of the, one of the other guys goes, yeah, but it makes sense. You'll see. <laughs> That was great. That was really, really good. Peyton Place, why would they go? Yeah, it was like they learned to read and they chose Peyton Place. <laughs> no, it makes sense. You'll see. It was, you know, it's just very, very clever. You know, we have to, we sh can you Google it and find out who wrote it? Oh, because sure. I'm wondering if it was like the same people who wrote Galaxy Quest. I don't know. Uh, it might take me a minute to find this. Where would I find that anyway? On IMDb? Do they have individual episodes? Well, credits? CSI probably has a website, and they might give writers credit. Okay, let's see. Well, you don't have to do it right now. You can do it during the break. Okay. But I really would like to know what else this person or people yes. have written, because that's very funny. And it's also very interesting, it coming out now, mm -hmm. when there are fans yes. who are really scared about the movie, uh -huh. and, um, you know, are they going to stand up and yell, you suck, and, and then... <laughs> you know, go, go kill the guy. Worst movie ever. <laughs> um, one thing that I, I just want to point out, for anybody who watches this episode, if you can explain to me the giant plot hole. Okay, so it, it, the, the episode starts with the two detectives, or whatever they are, CSI people, at a science fiction convention. It shows them kind of walking around and doing stuff. And then it cuts to a different part of the con. And this con, by the way, is not like Creation Con that takes place in a giant football field sized mm -hmm. place. It's small. Um, on this bridge set that's constructed there and a woman goes running over and there's a guy laying in the middle of it with blood all over his shirt who's clearly dead. And there's fans and all over. And there's people walking all over the place. It's like, how long was he there? Did nobody notice that there was a dead body sitting there for, oh, seven or eight hours? Uh, yeah, because then they, they have a, a guy examine him and go, yeah. well, he was killed between midnight and 3 yeah. a.m. So it's like... It's like so. Please explain to me why his body was just sitting there and nobody saw it and whatever. Because that made no sense whatsoever. Yeah, that made no sense. That was very bad. Oh, the other thing I really liked was um, at the the beginning they showed a a scene that he was, the dead guy who was still alive, um, was showing the fans of the old mm -hmm. 
Astro Quest, and it, it had a fight scene with the captain, and he was using Kirk's moves like the karate, karate chop, chop at the, uh-huh. the ears, and it was very funny. Um, and I, I will also point out that um, in all of the fantasies that Hodges was having with himself as the captain, his shirt was ripped. Yes. For no reason. Yes. In every one. And that got me thinking, um, you know, if... <laughs> If you were a guy going to a Star Trek convention in costume, that would be the costume to go in. A ripped shirt? A ripped shirt. Oh, let's see. Okay. So now, um, while you were talking, I did a little bit of Googling, and um, I found an article from the Chicago Tribune, and it's um, some thoughts from the two writers. Here you go. Below are a few more thoughts on the making of CSI's Space Oddity from the co-writers of the episode, David Weddle and Bradley Thompson, who used to write for Battlestar Galactica and Deep Space Nine. Oh. So actual writers, let's see. Well, that would kind of, ex- okay. Yeah, um, so let's see. Um, originally on BSG cameos, so there's cameos by other people. It says, originally we asked Grace Park to play our Astro Quester, but her schedule with the cleaner didn't make that possible. But when she heard that Ron was going to appear, she asked me if she could sneak onto the set that day. I thought I saw her you in the crowd. You may recognize another Cylon face in the crowd as well. Um, I thought I saw her. Mm-hmm. And I was going to go, oh, she wouldn't be an extra. Let me see. Let me just skim. My computer's being a little bit slow. Um... Blah, blah, blah. So Ron Moore was there? Apparently. Okay, well, I'm not sure what he looks like. It says, um, everyone on CSI really pulled out the stops on this one. It's not often that they get challenged to create so many layers of reality, and everyone, everyone was at the top of their game. From costumers coming up with character makeup for 200 extras to the AstroQuest bridge. Um, The producer somehow managed to make the numbers add up, though he wondered if we'd gone in with such wildly over-budget desires on Galactica. (laughs) They crammed a 10-day shoot into eight and a half days. Um, what a cast. Joris Eads was fighting a painful back injury, but you'd never know it. Lauren Lee Smith, a perfectly quirky take on these wacky SF folks. And Mr. Fishburne, who seemed to immensely enjoy walking back onto a 1966 spaceship. So, as I was saying to you, this is what Larry Fishburne's doing. Right, these days. right. I have no idea. Um, let's see. Special mention goes to director of photography Nelson Craig for his retro photography using hard lights the way they did back in 1966. Yes. Kudos to the camera operators for slinging those massive Panavision cameras around the way they did on Battlestar. That's so funny. Um, Wally's hair is the same 10K wig used by Tom Hanks in Philadelphia. That's weird. The inspiration for the scenes from Astro Quest you see in the show came from something we wrote in another franchise long ago and far away. Ron Moore was taking the production pass on a Deep Space Nine episode we'd written where our intrepid captain was reassuring a crewman that everything would be all right in the face of an evil enemy. Ron's rewrite had the enemy blow the woman away. That take on the scene disturbed the upper echelons at the network and our little ensign ended up not being blown away. In fact, she never got to exist in the first place, which explained a lot of things that happened later. (laughs) the visuals in the show are stunning he had to construct um, the staging guy he had to construct two entirely different visual styles for the two AstroQuest series another for the series in Hodge's head still another for Penelope's documentary yet another for coverage of the convention and finally include all that in the CSI world the frames within frames speak volumes to the way this story is layered Um, it was the um the producer's idea to bring in a character who would superficially resemble his good friend Ron Moore. 
So it's really more murdering Ron Moore than murdering Rick Berman. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, let's see. This is really good, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to apologize for reading so much of it. Um, the scene that Jonathan Danson presented from his reinterpretation of Astro Quest was inspired by an experience that Brad and I had with Ron Moore on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Um, yeah. Brad and I loved the audacity of the scene that never made it to DS9 and the way it defied all the expectations of a Star Trek episode. Ultimately, it was decided this was inappropriate for a comedic episode. At a production meeting, Rod sadly announced he'd been forced by his superiors to take it out of the show. Um, when he finally made Battlestar, Ron rebelled against such restrictions and reinvented and revitalized the genre. Mm -hmm. Danson presented his revisionist show at a convention and instead of being praised, is denounced by an angry crowd just as Ron Moore was denounced and vilified when he presented clips of the new Battlestar to a convention full of fans of the old show. Ah. I didn't know that. Naren had the brilliant idea of putting Ron Moore in the crowd as one of the people denouncing his fictional alter ego. I wonder if he was the guy who yelled, you suck. Maybe it was. Ah. Ron's line shouted at Danson was, you suck. <laughs> Okay, so I'm just going to skim the rest of this. They're just talking about how they wrote it. Um, in the second shot of the AstroQuest clip, if you count the number of colored dots on the graphics in the background, assign each color with a numerical value based on an algorithm of the progression of NCC numbers on Constellation-class starships in the fleet, and then add them up, you will get the number of Leonard Nimoy's favorite Deep Space Nine episode, episode or the size of a hers miniskirt. I forget which. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm going to have to put up a link to this because oh, this that's is just fantastic. full of great stuff. So that's, so how do you like that? Yes. And See, I was not picking up all the Battlestar stuff, although, you know, I did recognize one woman. Mm -hmm. I thought I saw Grace Park in the, uh, in the crowd scene, go. but oh, that, yeah. That's oh, hilarious. this was super meta. You suck. <laughs> <laughs> that's so awesome. So that's very interesting that that scene was part of a DS9 episode that mm -hmm. never made it into the show. And I got to say, I can't see them doing something like that on the show. Just having, it, they said it was a Jem'Hadar killing an ensign. Mm -hmm. That's just not part of Star Trek. I yeah. mean, it's, I get the thing about, ooh, it defies all expectations, but I don't know, that just didn't seem right. Well, the thing is, I can think of at least one instance of someone being or several instances, you know, red shirts getting killed, mm -hmm. and the and the one being crumbled up, and and not obviously not going to be regenerated. Mm -hmm. But we never. I don't know. I guess that just sounds very different, especially if, like, the captain's right there, and yeah. you're expecting he's going to do what the captain on this did, mm -hmm. you know, which is somehow get in there and fight the guy and mm -hmm. prevent it. So yeah. yeah. Oh, how interesting. Well, really? that was that was awesome. I'm glad I found that. Yeah. Oh, that was great. Instant research. Yay. You, I love you. You rock. You don't suck. You rock. You rock. I'm going to remember that you suck thing forever. There's a, um, I always, when, when he said it like that, it reminded me of, um, on one of my favorite shows, SpongeBob SquarePants, where <laughs> they, oh, they have, they reuse certain sound clips fairly often mm -hmm. and it's fun to listen for them. I mean, they clearly do it as a joke for fans right. and there's always one guy who says, you stink. 
Mm-hmm. Like whenever there's a crowd scene and there's a little lull and Yoram goes, you stink. <laughs> just like that. That was great. I didn't know that, that people had booed him when he did the Battlestar It stuff. seems to me I had heard that. And I know people, I don't know the people, but I've heard that people who were fans of the old show just absolutely hated what he had done to to it with the yeah. the reboot reinvention whatever you want to call like it like old what's his name um, being mad that Starbuck was a woman yeah what's what's that actor's name I can't remember the guy who played yeah Starbuck? the guy who played Starbuck did we talk about this on the show no I don't think we ever did oh, maybe I was talking about it with someone else yeah somewhere on the web um, I found an interview with him and I'm totally blanking on his name um, I can't think of his name but he wrote this rant. About really? how awful it was that Starbuck had been made into a woman. Apparently, in real life, he's like a conservative Republican guy, and um, so it's insulting that a character he played. Yes. Okay. Because that just and, and it was like all about you know oh the feminization of America and characters can't have balls anymore and blah blah blah. She blah, had blah. more balls than half the people on the show. Dirk Benedict. That's his that's name. his name. So yeah, but I recently saw a picture the the two of them together smiling for the camera, well, having drinks. He wrote this thing, and it was a but it was a fairly recent picture, yeah. so that's so like at least was, five yeah. years old or whatever. So whatever, yeah, he was all pissed off because you know women are not as good as men, obviously, obviously, and changing her character into a woman was just oh, oh, how could you do such a thing? This is a disaster. <laughs> Yeah, it was. It was. This, we need T-shirts that just say, know, "This is a disaster." Dirk, wear it to come. Dirk Benedict basically got his fanboy on and said, "This is a disaster." <laughs> uh, it's ridiculous. All right, let's take a little break, and Okey then we'll go back with something that I don't know what it's going to be. Oh, me neither. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Speak up. Comments to lookathisbutt at gmail.com. More fun stuff at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. This podcast recorded on an Apple PowerBook with GarageBand. This is TSFPN.com, the sci-fi podcast network. You've found the best podcasts in the universe. And now, the deep thoughts portion of the podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> well, as deep as it gets around here. Which yeah. Isn't Sometimes enough. pretty deep. Sometimes pretty deep, but mostly not. Mostly rough for an easy. This was a question you had. What inspired you to ask this question? I have no idea. <laughs> Just random. Um, I had probably just watched like the season finale of something else and was thinking about how all shows now, or, or certainly many shows, uh-huh. have a series finale. Mm-hmm. You know, that even if they've had no arc, they like to pretend they had one. But it's usually, you know, you know, tying things up where people pair off and, and, and live happily ever after, and there's two or three or seven weddings mm-hmm. and, and, you know, stuff like that. So I don't. Anyway, so that's probably what got me thinking about this. Okay. Well, the question you posed was, if there had been a series finale of TOS instead of just the crazy end episode, what would have happened and why? Show your work. (laughs) 
Spelling counts. Spelling counts. Did you have an idea? No, this? and I really tried to, to think about it. And part of it is that, you know, TOS is um, so episodic in mm -hmm. that you can watch the episodes out of out order. Of order. Yeah, and, completely. you know, each one is so self-contained. So it probably would have been one of those artificial two-parters yeah. where they, they gave it like a mini arc mm -hmm. where um, at the beginning of the, the first one, suddenly for some reason... It would have been like a version of one of the movies where really the whole universe is going to end. Mm. And, uh, and so they have to do that. Or something like um, uh, Starfleet um, is going to, you know, reassign them all to somewhere mm -hmm. else. Or, you know, something like that that would break up their, their happy Starfleet family. Mm -hmm. Or... Um, or Captain Kirk finally meets the woman and, and settles down and, you know, it turns the ship over to check off. And, uh -huh. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think they could have done a lot of things. They could have um, done all those things. They could have done all those things. That's true. Um, I think it would have been very interesting, um, had the show been on longer, to, to wrap up the five-year mission. That would have yes. been a great finale. I mean, it would have been very logical, sort of, here's where it stops. And sets it up for you know, series or movies or and, something and like that. And actually what would have been really a good idea about that is you could have had, okay, the five-year mission ends. And of course in, in fandom, in fanfic, when it ends, the, the ship returns and there's like this big welcoming ceremony yeah. and everything. And so you've got this and everybody's like teary-eyed, uh -huh. you know, they did the, the mission and they don't know what's coming up next for them. And then, oh my God, something is attacking. Yeah. And they all just jump back on the ship and go. Yeah. And you don't know I mean, you obviously know they're 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 still doing it, you know, out mm -hmm. there somewhere. But we don't get a resolution of yeah. that thing or anything other than just knowing they have to leave. Yeah, I think. Um, and it, they could have made it very poignant, like had all this stuff that they sort of had in Undiscovered Country about, you know, Scotty talking about well, he bought a boat, yeah. and and them making some sort of plans. And of course, you would have had Jim meeting the woman and them making these plans mm -hmm. together, what they were going to do. And all of a sudden, you know, they have to give it all up for their true calling. Yep. Um, I, I think that would have been great. I think they also might have, you know, not really knowing how things were going to turn. I mean, we have to, okay. So we're imagining, sorry, I have to get my context straight here. Okay. Is, that is was there, before three months later. That was before three months later. Um, that this would have been the last episode not knowing if there was going to be another series or more movies or anything like that, right? So it's Well, they wouldn't even have been thinking that. Yeah, they would have yeah. just said, okay, so, this so is the end of the like show. Bye. So it was 1969 and the series is over now. Okay. So they could have killed off one of the main characters. Mm -hmm. Probably not Kirk. Um, but that would have been something to do because that's happened in a lot of series. But finales. did it happen back in 68, 69? Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm not really sure, but they could have done it. I mean, mm -hmm. at that point, maybe Leonard Nimoy would have said like, fuck this. I am so tired of playing Spock and they could have killed his character off. That would have been interesting. I think if they would have had him go off to Gaul or yeah. something like that rather than kill him, given the time period we're talking about. Yeah. So I, I don't think they would have killed um, any... Any regular character. They wouldn't have, have even killed Chapel. <laughs> because she was married to Gene Roddenberry. <laughs> no, but I'm seeing a character who had almost no plot impact yeah. ever. I don't think they would have killed any of them. They could have blown up the Enterprise. I mean, they, they got around have. to doing that later on, but they could have yeah. done that in the last one. I think it might also, this is very ambitious, but they could have... They could have all gone to Hawaii. <laughs> 
with, all those with shows Legolas. had people going to Hawaii yeah. at some point. Um, they could have done a show, and a finale, where um, Starfleet became irrelevant or something. Mm-hmm. You know, where they essentially became redundant and they didn't need them to do what they were doing Because anymore. of the Organians. Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, for, through some plot device or something like that. But that would have been very interesting to be like, suddenly, they're all out of a job. They're all dunsels. They're all dunsels. What are they going to do? Mm-hmm. And everybody has to make a decision about what what is going to have meaning in their lives now that there's no more Starfleet. That could have been very interesting. Okay, so... Or, or there's a big war and the Klingons win. Or the Romulans win. Oh, they would never have done that. You don't think so? No, not in Star Trek, not in 1968. Okay. Let's speculate on this, though. Suppose they had done the end of the five-year mission, and so they're all heading back home. To Hawaii. To Hawaii. With Legolas. With Legolas. What would, what would each of those characters, what would their plan be? Let's say the Enterprise, the ship itself is being retired. Mm-hmm. So they're all going to be reassigned or go on to something else. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they're officers. They could, you know, resign the commission at any point and, uh, you know, de- decide to you know, be mm-hmm. a, a skin diver or a pastry chef. <laughs> um, so what would those characters have done? Well, I think, in my opinion, that um, Chekhov and Sulu absolutely would have stayed in Starfleet. Mm-hmm. They are like career guys, and Chekhov and Sulu both portrayed as very ambitious, like yes. wanting to do things. So, for me, that's like a no-brainer. Right, right. Um, Uhura, I could also see staying in Starfleet, um, maybe on a ship or maybe at Starfleet Academy, mm-hmm. but staying in Starfleet, I think, because that seems like it's really, really important to her mm-hmm. that she have this career. And maybe I'm like reading into that from all the fandom that I've yeah, read. Right. But I don't, I don't see her leaving, especially because she's pretty young at that yeah. age, too. So it, that would seem to make sense. Um, with McCoy, it's pretty much up in the air, right? I mean, I think that they made a good decision in the first movie where they had him leaving Starfleet because he was just so fed up with it and just wanting to go be a doctor somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And I could easily see him making that decision. I could, too. Yeah. Yeah. He, he seems the most ambivalent about being in Starfleet as opposed to being a doctor, which he loves. Would he have returned to... Um, Georgia? <laughs> no. For the world is hollow and I've touched the sky, oh, woman? I don't know. He seems like he really wants to be back on Earth. I know. I, I get that feeling from him, that yeah. that's where he belongs. Well, and he's always just saying, I'm just an old country doctor yeah. in Georgia. So mm-hmm. I, I could mm-hmm. see that. Um, and then Chapel, who cares? Yeah. No one cares. What about Scotty? I don't know. I think he would always be a ship's engineer. Yeah, I think that's if true. They, if, you know, if they said, okay, now you're going to be the ship's engineer on the whatever. Mm-hmm. The garbage scow. Yeah. Yeah. He would, he would go do it. Yeah. So what do you think about Kirk? Do you think it would have happened like it happened in the movie? Would he have accepted an admiralship? Admiralty? Not TOS Kirk. And that's the thing that fans have stumbled on forever. Yeah. Is how did the guy who was that guy. <laughs> turn into that guy. <laughs> yeah, turn into the other dude. You know? <laughs> dude, I'm the dude who's playing a dude who's playing another dude. That's from Tropic Thunder. Um, sort of. Um. 
I think he would have asked for them to to give him a a a a piece of the enterprise and he would cry himself to sleep holding it every night for the rest of his life. But this is the thing, like you said, the Enterprise is his ship that he loves like a woman. So it, it, with that whole thing having been built up, for him to do anything less than still have the Enterprise and yeah. have that crew is sad. Mm -hmm. It's a downer. Yeah. And if they had made a decision like, you know, he meets woman fabuloso, Helen Noel comes back into his <laughs> life and they really hit it off this time and decide to, you know, go populate a planet uh -huh. or something, you know, just the two of them. Um, you still would have said that's not Kirk. Yeah. Yeah. So here, here's a possible thing. Okay. Um, I think that Kirk being Kirk, being the smarty pants, resourceful guy, what Smirky, he is. McSmirky, McSmirk, Smirk. I think that if the Enterprise had been retired as the starship that it was, he would have found a way to make it into something else. Like, he would have invented a new mission that maybe wasn't exploring the strange new worlds in the same way that he had done, but mm -hmm. he would have found a way... To, to be the captain of the Enterprise again. But would he be, would he want to and would it be satisfying for him to be the captain of the Enterprise if they retired it as, you know, a five-year mission ship and made it into the Academy training ship, which they did? Mm. Would he want to be captain of that? No, I don't, see, that's the thing. I don't think that would have been it. He would have found a way to make it something better than, than what he was doing. I don't know what that is, mm -hmm. but, uh, but he would know because he's Kirk. He's the goddamn captain. But I, I do. I think he's... So you think they'd say, Bill? <laughs> Bill? The Jim? writers are Jim. stuck. No, Bill. The writers are stuck. Um, we haven't got a goddamn clue what you, Captain Kirk, would want to do. So... Uh -huh. Go for Fill it. In the blank. Fill in the blank. Yeah. Do you do you want to meet the giant space fighter? Because we're at that point where we will let you meet the giant space fighter. I I think I think he would have. Um, let's see, he, he would have taken the Enterprise to the furthest reaches of the galaxy where Starfleet really couldn't get a hold on anything he was doing, and just let him do his Kirk thing out there. And, you know, no more Prime Directive stuff, because they're too far away to care about that. Almost like Voyager, in a way. <laughs> that could have worked, you know? Yeah. You know, in fact, that could have worked really well, because it could be they're on their way back to Earth. <laughs> <laughs> like that. I wish, nice hand gesture Thank there. you. I wish the that's audience sort of like, could that, see that. That's the Ian McKellen yes. going on the graph. Answer, yes. answer, 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 answer. So they're on their way back to Earth. <laughs> For the, the big ceremony, and they're all feeling pretty bummed about it. I mean, uh -huh. some of them are kind of making plans, but it's basically, we would rather just keep doing this. We yeah. like the regular paycheck, don't cancel <laughs> our series. And on their way, they just get black holed into God knows where. And yeah. it's like, well, fuck, let's, <laughs> you know, let's do some good here. You yeah, know? yeah, let's yeah. Let's explore these strange new worlds. Yeah. That would have been good. I think that would have been very let's good. Let's find that, that planet where it's all based on Peyton Place. Yeah. Nudge, nudge. <laughs> That would have been good. I, I would have accepted that as a mm -hmm. finale. Just, I, I think, 
for the finale of, of a Star Trek series like that to work, and I know that they wouldn't have probably done this in 1969, but for something totally unexpected to happen, totally out of left Spanish field. Spanish Inquisition. Spanish Inquisition. Just send the Enterprise off to some to the Delta Quadrant, and mm -hmm. you know we'll leave them there to cope with life. Well, you know, in a way we have kind of described is the end of Undiscovered Country. Well, yeah. Where, you know, okay, they've saved the galaxy, and then the memo comes in from Starfleet saying, come on, bring her on home. Yeah, and they That's just it. go and, away. And, and they, they say, go to hell, and, yeah. you know, just let's, let's you know, take her around the galaxy one more time or something, which yeah. could take a little while. That's true. It is so true. basically, uh, Kirk and his crew at the end of that stole the starship, and if it weren't for Generations... We could pretty much believe they never gave it back. Yeah, they just kept it because who's going to? They went. They went renegade. They went space pirate. Who would take a starship away from Captain Kirk? Would well, you want to try and take that space? Starfleet away from did it several times. <sighs> they didn't learn their lesson. No, they you, were you, stupid. You can't take a starship away from him because he's going to find a way to get it back. Mm -hmm. Always. And he's going to kick your butt while he does it because he's the goddamn captain he of is. the Enterprise. He is. That is the crucial point. He is the goddamn captain. Yep. Well, you know, I don't know why I was thinking about this the other night, but I was thinking about crappy old generations. But at one point, um, Kirk says to Picard in it, well, who am I to say no to the captain of the Enterprise? Mm -hmm. And it's almost like you could turn that question on himself. If he was thinking, okay, I will accept this, or I'll go off with this woman, or I'll become a monk, whatever. The two parts of himself, more hand gestures, would have this argument, and one would say, who are you to say no mm -hmm. to the captain of the Enterprise? And that is his core identity. Yeah, absolutely. And Spock pretty much tells him that, yeah. too. This is your first and best destiny. Yeah. yeah. I, I think so. I, I wonder what they would have done. I mean, I think, realistically now, if it was really 1969, I think that the finale would have been something very expected. I think it probably would not... In 1968, 1969, it might have been like a big two-parter, mm -hmm. but I don't know that they would have even wrapped people's fates That's up. That's true. It could have just been, they faced the biggest thing they've ever faced, you and, know, and uh, it could mean death for them all. And, and that was it. And then everything was fine again. Because they pressed the reset button. They pressed their reset button, and, you know, they warped seven out of there. Or yeah. Now, remind me of this. Maybe you don't know the answer. But in the season, in the series finale of TNG, in, yeah. in the um, whatever it was called that I can't remember. Next Generation. Yeah, no, the name of the episode. Oh, I don't remember the name. All Good Things. All Good Things. Um, at the end of that episode, because it, that episode took place on like three or four parallel timelines that were all happening at the same time, right? Yeah. Was the timeline that was in TNG with them still on the ship, did that just continue? Like, they, they were still all on the Enterprise, and they were still going out and exploring the strange new I'm worlds? I'm not 100% sure, Okay, but um, I think it, it did. Yeah, I kind of thought so. Because when we, when we meet them in the first movie after that, everything is the same. Right. They're just on the ship, and right. they're just, they've got some fancy new clothes and a bunch of other stuff but nothing has essentially changed no. from the end of the episode to the first movie mm -hmm. okay because that, that's interesting that they made such a big difference between the end of TOS and the first TOS movie I mean granted a lot of time had passed right but the change in what was from the series to what was in the movies was huge and for TNG and, it was but not you know what I think in a way that is part of what 
ended up hurting the TNG movies was they were basically big TV shows, big episodes. Yeah. And because there had been this 11 year lag, the, the actors had aged, obviously the characters must have aged. Mm -hmm. And that forced them to make certain decisions. Mm -hmm. And even though I hate the first movie, I like the idea that they start out from the premise of these people have not just been flying around space kicking ass for 11 years. Mm -hmm. There have been changes. And the fact that they continued to age those characters along with the actors as they went on is part of what, me, what made me really love the movies. Because we were talking about, you know, you take the heroes and you make them human. Mm -hmm. But the fact that we did see them confronting the end of career mm -hmm. and possibly end of life that, you know, if they have been your role models, you have now seen them go through the, the whole arc mm -hmm. of life, of adult life pretty much, whereas I don't, you didn't see that sort of growth except for, you know, Data getting an emotion chip um, and, and Riker and Troy finally getting married. But, you know, as far as actual change in the, in the characters and in their perspectives, I mean, you think in Undiscovered Country when Kirk has that discussion with McCoy about are you afraid of death? Mm -hmm. that's, that's something that's very relevant as you get into that age, whether or not you're in Rurapentha or not. Yeah. You know that they that they could could do that. Mm -hmm. No, I, I agree. I, I think that's right. Yeah, and and that was what I think was so unsatisfying by the end of the TNG movies is that they were still in stasis. Nothing yeah. had happened to change them. And that horrible Nemesis movie. I mean, it, it there was a chance to show things like character growth and how they had changed. And it's you know, mm -hmm. there's Riker still the first officer, and and it's like it just didn't. It, nothing had grown, mm -hmm. and that didn't feel exactly right. Yeah. But, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, um, and maybe this is because I've read too much fan fiction, but... Um, <laughs> is that possible? It is it is possible. I think it would have been really interesting um, to show, like I said, something really unexpected happening and how the crew of the Enterprise, and Kirk in particular, would have coped with something. Like, you know, what if the Federation had a war with the Romulans and the Romulans won. Like, mm -hmm. what would that have been like? What would Kirk have done in that situation? How would it have been like to, to live in a completely new sort of galaxy where the balance of power, balance of terror, right. is just flipped? You know, that would have been cool to explore yeah, that. Yeah, and now suddenly, instead of being the... Um, well, they would have been the underground. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. They, I, I don't think they would have, you know, lined up to... No, to not join at the Romulan. Not at all. That, that would have been like a really cool thing. Or what if um, they had encountered the Borg? What mm -hmm. if TOS had encountered a species like the Borg that was virtually undefeatable? You know, that would have been a really mm -hmm. interesting thing too. See, that's one of the really interesting things about Battlestar Galactica is it starts from that premise. Everything is destroyed except for this one ship. Well, basically, mm -hmm. and and a few other ships throughout there, so they all band together. Um, but it's a very limited number of people that have lost everything they know, mm -hmm. and you go from there. Yeah, yeah. But so, you see, that is more the start of a, a journey. Sure, yeah. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I, I think that kind of speculation is really interesting. Mm -hmm. Like taking characters who you've grown to know over that time period and making them face something that 
nobody ever thought that they would have faced. And that is one of the, to me, more satisfying aspects of the good fan fiction, mm -hmm. is they can take characters where TV censors or writers or the Times or whatever would not let them do, or budget, mm -hmm. um, and, and, and try to, to, to take these people and give them an entirely different experience. And like you say, have them be forced to face something they never have before, yeah. never thought they would, that they don't have the solutions. And what do they... And I think in a lot of fanfic, the writer and the audience isn't interested in so much how do they solve the problem as in what do they learn about themselves and each other mm -hmm. through that. Yeah, I, I think so. And it, it's one of the things that um, makes history, real history, not science fiction history, mm -hmm. uh, so interesting is when you read about people who have been faced with just unimaginable situations, what do they do? You know, it's mm -hmm. like, what about all the people who were in charge when World War II happened? I mean, right. that situation had never happened before, and how did they cope with it? And who had the fortitude to do these things mm -hmm. that nobody thought possible, you know? Like, what about when the atomic bomb was developed. I mean, that was just like this totally new thing. And how did mm -hmm. that affect the people who had to make those decisions and live with the aftermath of it? Yeah. You know, that's really interesting. And it, that kind of stuff translated into science fiction where it has a real effect, not just press the reset button at the right. end, but to say, you live through this thing and it changed you, or now you're in a universe that you never thought you'd have to live in. How do you do that on a mm -hmm. daily basis? Right. So, and I do think that's one of the huge strengths of fan fiction. And I think it's 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 relevant even now. I think a lot of us felt that way after nine eleven. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, even though our we were still alive, um, you know, I didn't personally lose anyone close to me in those those attacks, and you know, the the buildings I worked at and lived at and everything were still intact. It definitely was. The whole world has changed. Yeah, yeah. And. How do, how do we live in it? Who do we become? Yeah. Um, how do we react to this? And not just in the horrified way, but day to day, something that big changes you. Mm -hmm. I, I think so. And I have to say, but just as a point of comparison, um, I watched the first Star Wars movie for the first time. Mm -hmm. not, not the first, you know, episode four, A New Hope. Let me be very clear about it. The first one that was released in the theaters in 1977. Oh, is that what it's called? Yes. Okay, all right. <laughs> Um, so I watched it, it was great, and I had a really good time watching it, but I was really struck by something, which was the scene where um, Peter Cushing, <laughs> who plays Darth Vader's boss, oh, okay. is interrogating Princess Leia mm -hmm. and um, threatens to blow up her planet. Right. And she's like, you'd never do that, and he presses the button, and he blows up the planet. And she's horrified by this. But you know what? Nobody really cares very much that he just blew up an entire planet. Yeah. And she doesn't even get that upset about it. And mm -hmm. nobody for the rest of the movie pretty much says anything about it. It's like, he blew up a planet and yeah. all those people who were on the planet. I mean, that's like mm -hmm. unimaginable. It's just a yeah. thing that doesn't happen. And I, I, they never did that kind of stuff in Star Trek. I, I felt like they never... But the thing is... Gratuitously blew up planets and nobody ever talked right, about it again. They did, they did not do things like that, but... Certainly in the uh, the episode Operation Annihilate, it is very clear throughout the whole episode that if they don't come up with another solution, Kirk is facing having to do that. Yeah. And he will do it, and he will 
live with it. Yeah, yeah. So it's a real, it's a consequence, and it's yes. not just a tactic to kind of move the plot along. Right. So I'm, and for, so for me, the fact that Star Trek didn't do that kind of stuff was huge. That it wasn't using, say, blowing up a planet as just a plot device. And having no one... And having no one really comment on it or have mm -hmm. it matter to anyone, especially their own planet. Yeah. Um, so that, that was just something that occurred to me, you know. And, and I understand that Star Wars is a genre unto itself, and that's what happens, and it's not really real in the way you felt like Star Trek was more real than that. And I, I can deal with it. But it just, for me, it really highlighted a difference between those two things. Mm -hmm. And it still pisses me off that people think they're the same. <laughs> Oh, well. Yeah, because I'm a fan. Star Trek is very, very different and <clears throat> superior to Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you think? Well, you know, when we, when we were talking about the characters and what do they learn about themselves through an experience, one of the, it's amazing that one, this line has stayed with me, but it's from one of the first fanfics I ever read, and it's by Killa. And it is um, Kirk, I believe he's thinking it. He doesn't actually say it out loud. But he's, he's basically thinking, thanks to um, alien machinery and, and, and mind games and mind melds, I know more about myself than any man should have to. Mm. And that is a pretty scary thought. Yeah. I mean, like, you definitely get that in um, Enemy Within, within I, where he, he, he even says that. I've yeah. confronted, you know, I don't want to have that be part of me and to discover that's a crucial part of you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but when Kirk is always the one going, well, we've evolved beyond violence and yeah. conquered that and everything. And to find out that that is what you need, that's one of his core yeah. strengths. Yeah, but that's why. Oh, I just said that just like William Shatner. Oh, God, I'm good. You did the hand gesture, too. I know. I'm into hand gestures tonight. It's this good. is the Enterprise. But that's why Star Trek, I think, is so good because Kirk is a character that you want to see that happen to because mm -hmm. you know that he can deal with it and you want mm -hmm. to see how he deals with it. Right. You know. And that's part of what makes him such an incredible archetype. Yeah. Kirk. Kirk. And plus, he's really good looking. And plus, sex. Sex. <sighs> well, you know what? We've been talking about this for a long time. I know, I think, but it was a good oh, topic. I, it was great. It was a great topic. I'm so glad you decided to raise it. Um, just to give our listeners a little preview, uh, sometime in the next couple of shows, we're going to have a special interview <laughs> with um, Mike Sterling, who we've talked about on the show many times before, but he's agreed to do a little interview with us. And he's a big old Trek fan. And... Um, his comic book store sells loads of stuff, so we're going to see what he has to say about Trek. And yes. What it's like to sell all that crap in your store. That's mm -hmm. what I want to know about. So, And we love his blog. And we love his blog because he's so fucking funny. Yeah. Yeah. So is that about it? I think that's it. All right. So till next time, and maybe by the time this is around, people will start seeing the movie. Very mm. exciting. The movie. Yes, let us know what you think, but don't give any spoilers. No spoilers. And we'll be reviewing it, of course, on oh, the show. Of course. And we'll be full of spoilers because we're us. We're us. That's true. All right. Till till next time. <laughs>